so I'm Vince Tuning. I'm the president of the board, um, Forest Park Southeast Neighborhood Association. I am Dan Doling. I am the secretary here at the Forest Park Southeast Neighborhood Association. You met Adelina, she let you in. She is our treasurer. And uh, Dan Scott is our vice president, who isn't quite with us yet. Um, and we have Tom Charleville, member at large here in the middle. So, all right, well thank you all for coming. Uh, we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, first up, we're gonna make it uh, coming easy, uh, announcements. So just to kind of give you an overlay of what the night's gonna look like. Um, we've kind of skipped some of our normal steps because we wanna make sure that we have enough time for Park Central to present. Um, if you're not familiar with Park Central, uh, it's an organization here in the neighborhood. Um, we've done a lot, been a lot been involved with development, infrastructure, um, planning events, things like that. So we're really happy to have them. Kind of a reintroduction, reacquaintance with the neighborhood. So really, really glad they can make it. Um, after that, that's basically our only big thing of the night. We will also have, as far as speakers, we will also have the chance for everyone to nominate themselves or nominate another person to uh, run for the board for the Forest Park Southeast Neighborhood Association. So all positions are open, president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, member at large. Nominations are due this evening. Elections will be held next month. Um, all right, so that's the evening. Uh, first up, one announcement, Halloween Carnival. I'll turn it to Dan Doling, give us some details. Yeah, so we are hosting uh, a Halloween Carnival and movie night over at Chodo Park. Uh, October Saturday, October twenty sixth. Um, um, the movie playing will be I can't remember what it said. Um, Wallace and Grummet is the movie. Um, we're asking the movie starts at dusk, uh, which should be at about six ten. If anyone wants to volunteer and help out, you can email Clarissa. Um, I'll put her email on the sign up sheet over there. Costumes are encouraged. Um, we'll have candy and prizes for kids. Um, they'll be serving hot dogs, hot cocoa, and some snacks. They're also looking for candy donations and prizes. And if anyone has a pop-up tent or two that they can provide that evening, that'd be wonderful as well. So the movie starts at 610? 610, yep. When the rest of the event starts at? 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock. Yes, good so, questions. Okay. Thank you. All right, and lastly, on the 29th of this month, um, so last month there was um, a lot of development presented at the development committee um, meeting. So we actually asked if the developers would be willing to come back out um, with a little bit more notification and just kind of present that plan, make sure that we have enough time to notify all of the neighbors. Um, it's about $75 million of development in different areas of the neighborhood, different blocks of the neighborhood. So those notifications will hopefully be going out soon. We we'll want to make sure that we make sure we invite everybody as well who'd like to come, learn, comment, whatever they uh, whatever they want to get out of the meeting. So that is on the 29th of October at starts at 5:30 until 8. From 5:30 to 6, the plan is to have small group sessions and discussions. So 5:30, 6:30, and after that, there will be a present, a more of a formal presentation by the developers. Um, that will actually be at Adams Park Club instead of here. We couldn't book this for that evening. So um, if you have any questions about that, please feel free to reach out to me, Dan, um, any of the Park Central staff can also give you a little bit more background. 
Any other announcements? Yeah, I just want to quickly plug for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jess, I'm a community development specialist with the Washington Med Center. Um, we're coming up on our holiday outreach program. It's an annual uh, program that the medical school um, takes on. They adopt families in the neighborhood, uh, providing them with holiday gifts and those sorts of things. In partnership with that program, we also do a senior outreach um, where we provide seniors um, baskets for the holidays gift cards, supplement utility assistance, those sorts of things. So this is a flyer where you can donate, help grow your local neighbors. Uh, it's coming up on a time of year where it gets really cold, so that our families who are struggling uh, to provide kind of enough. So um, the link is here to donate. Also, if you know that any families that are in need, we're accepting applications until November 1st. I have a couple of them with me, so if you know of anyone that need one. Um, there's no guarantee that they will get into the program, um, but they're still welcome to uh, fill out an application and uh, back, hear back from us uh, after November 1st. So. Thank you, Jess. Any other announcements from the neighborhood? Do you know anything about the October 24th hearing? I saw a sign in, on the street. Is that, uh, anybody know what that's about? I'm not familiar. So that's October 24th to be Hall. Do we have time on that? Okay. Okay. Well, if we can, if we can find that, we'll check that out. I can. What's the date on that? October 19th at 10 a.m. this Saturday. Okay. And it's a, they'll show a lot of what our neighborhood used to look like okay. before we got here and started working on it. Gotcha. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, John. Any other announcements? All right. 
With that, we're going to turn it over to Officer Slade with our crime and safety report. Evening, folks. Um, there's a few left here, uh, crime reports. Uh, we just got two things to go over with you tonight. Uh, right now, to crime as, as it was last month, the driving, uh, the numbers up in the neighborhood are the car break-ins, and they've really spiked up in the last couple of weeks um, throughout the neighborhood. Highway all the way, all the way to like um, Quick Trip. Um, more patrols are out. I, any type of suspicious activity that you can you can help us with by calling anybody you see walking in the street trying to door handle, we get a lot more calls for that. Um, if you can be specific, if you do have a description and what they're doing, that helps us out. However, a lot of these are, are crimes the opportunity present itself to the suspect and they just kind of grab. Sometimes it's not even known for the next couple of days. Sometimes we get called for like five cars in one block that they hit. Um, but that's kind of bad news. The good news is crimes against persons, muggings, um, assaults, things like that um, are down. And that's always good, especially after a big event Fest and any kind of fall, anything like that, where there's been a lot of people here. Um, there's very few incidents, mostly disturbances there, so that, that I, I say was a successful event. The only other thing that I wanted to mention is we get in the colder weather, a lot of the neighborhoods, especially the ones that have an entertainment type of flavor to them, are seeing a lot more homeless people coming Blocks off of say Manchester. South Grand is one of my other neighborhoods, and, and they're dealing with uh, with a number of problems. Um, the city has some resources; they're scant, but they will come out with us and talk with people who are in need of housing or food or any type of uh, uh, therapy or any, anything like that. that, that we, that is out there to help them. And uh, obviously in, in, in really bad weather, we've, we've uh, ferried people to, well, when uh, Reverend Rice at his place or any other shelters that we've taken people so that they're not out in the cold. Um, however, what we see is a lot of pain when it goes with this. And we also see some minor uh, crimes, I'm not saying that they're doing, but they seem to kind of follow along Things stolen out of mailboxes, things, car break-ins, whatnot. Um, and the panhandling does affect neighborhoods and business districts. Um, so if you do see that or uh, if that becomes a concern, you know, just please reach out. You, can, you, can, uh, you don't want it as a, as a call for a patrol car to come. You can email me. I can get the right uh, assistance to come out and uh, talk with people. I'll, advise them what they can do, what they can't do, and uh, hopefully help them out and help you. Um, that's all I'm going to have for tonight. Yeah. Any questions for Officer Slade? I was going to ask if they had any information on the woman murdered on Norfolk. Um, well, there's a suspect in the city uh, taking custody at the time of the end. 
It's not clear whether it was a uh, domestic right now going through the uh, investigation and things like that. So I, I, I really wouldn't be at liberty to talk anything about that. But it was pretty much wrapped up right there at that, at that scene. Um, that file I know about that. Yes, sir. Another thing is, is it still standard? I think it's major standard in, in the way uh, a person needing assistance can utilize the call police without being directly involved. Is that rumored a different number you have? <coughs> no, it's of a serious nature. You can call 911 and say, hey, you know, it's 20 degrees out and someone's sleeping at a bus stop. Maybe they should be checked on. And we can do a, a well-being check you know, on that. You don't have to give them information. But I, I, forgive me, it's been so long since yeah. I've been here. There used to be a way that I could call an officer and actually talk to him while he was interviewing the suspect or problem. We, we, we do that and do that a lot. We leave that up to you and, and, and the caller. Obviously, if it's a major crime and you're a witness, um, we're going to have to get a hold of you. We don't want to drive up in front of your house or your business and, and, and interview, but, you know, for sake of your anonymity. But if you supply a phone number, we'll, we would either be calling calling you real time, hey, is that person still on the scene? Um, how many people are involved? Or what does the vehicle look like? Sure, we can do that. Yeah. Well, there used to be a way that you could call anonymously. anonymously. There was four or five, because there were several different ways that I could communicate with the department. One on one, one incognito, uh, just communicating with being directly or non directly involved. And there were several different numbers that you could call under, and they automatically know, knew that you didn't want the officer at your address. Right. Uh, is that, is that so? There's, there's the, the only numbers that we have are the non emergency numbers. That would be you call and say if there was a Lockout. That's 231-1212. That's for non-emergency. 911 is the only other way. Okay. And then the officers call witnesses and, and, and other people back, victims back using their mobile phone. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 the dispatcher, like, if, if you are an and you don't want to be contacted, you tell the dispatcher that we don't, we don't call back and we don't, we don't uh, you know I'm old and dirt, but you know that they say the stitches get stitches is still going. Yeah. <laughs> that brings it along a lot longer than it has, and it's been kind of reared its head of late. But even when I started back in, in, in the, the early to mid-90s, we would never think of going to a witness's house to get a statement or anything like that. If we had a phone number, we'd always try to call first. It's just, it's just better that way. Yeah. And what was that? What was that number again? The non-emergency. The non-emergency is uh, two three one one two one two. Um, you know that's uh, that's for anything. <coughs> you say you have a, a derelict car on your on your block and then for three four weeks and or something like that. Okay. Obviously, someone trying door handles or walking in your backyard. That's going to go with the nine. All right. All right. Thanks, folks. Thank you very much, Officer Slade.
All right, next we will move to nominations for the FPSE Portsmouth <laughs> Association Board. Um, so we're opening up to the floor. We have president, vice president, treasurer, secretary, and member at large. Can I ask a question? Yes, sir. Uh, who of the current officers would want to stay on board? Well, we can start there. I plan on nominating myself for president of the board. I will also continue to run for secretary. And I will run for treasurer unless somebody else is So we've got everyone filled plus one. Um, you know, I, I think I like to run for one of the offices. Okay. Do we have to say which office? Yes. Okay. By the end of one, by the by the end of the meeting. So if you want to take some time to think about it, I think we can do that. Um, but we will need to announce it at the group. Okay. Yes. So I'm Vince Tuning, president of the board. Currently, um, I live on 4400 Arco. Um, been here for about two and a half years. Um, yeah, did the, the board this past year, and hoping that we can build on some momentum that we've already uh, taken this past year. And I will say also next uh, meeting in November, the nominees are requested to make a statement kind of telling who they are, <laughs> you know, just general facts and, and thoughts about themselves. I do have a question. Um, yes. Are these positions want to slate down, so if you ran for president, can you slate down to vice president and so forth if he's ready? Can you, I'm sorry. Can you so slate down, if you ran for president and he wasn't voted in, could he even vote for vice president? I don't think so. It's not how the bylaws are stated. Okay. Uh, I wasn't ever going to that. Unless anybody else thinks differently, I believe you. Let me just make sure. I believe you. Historically, there hasn't been more than one. There hasn't been more than one person for. So this is exciting. This is good. Um, just make sure. Yes. So yeah. You are to present what you'd like to run for, and I don't think there's a, a second option. At least not how the bylaws are written. Don? I'd like to run for treasurer. Okay. Uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, our current treasurer is not exactly sure she wants to stay, but also to, I think I can really help the treasurer with fundraising, and I think that idea of the home repair program for seniors that doesn't exist in coalition with code violations is something we really need to talk about and I really think I can help in that position. Okay. So I'd like to run for treasurer. Okay. And if I could ask members of the election committee, could you jot down who's running for what position? My apologies, should have mentioned that before. 
Dan. Dan. Opposed. meeting yes okay. yeah they technically take office in, at that meeting but uh, there's usually a, a hiatus or a holiday for the yes typically so I realize Sarah now as vice president and treasurer okay okay because it's his nominations are due by the closed at the October meeting. So for me, that reads that you can't really choose after unless somebody has a different interpretation. I'm open. <laughs> Election committee. Questions or thoughts on nominations? All right. Who's nominations? And I actually realized I skipped Adelina's treasurer's report. So. Questions about the treasurer's report? No. Okay. All right. So we're going to move to the presentation for the evening. So um, I'm going to ask Park Central generally to come up and present a couple things I want to point out. Uh, number one, we're happy to have Park Central here. Um, they're coming as a guest. We really want to take this time just to get to know one each other, to get to know Park Central, um, understand their role in the neighborhood. Um, that said, we do have time for Q&A. So if you're unclear about some things that Park Central is doing or unclear about the relationships in the neighborhoods, please feel free to ask them. However, 
because we know that there will probably be a lot of questions, we, wanted, we would rather do it on these note cards or post-its. And that serves two purposes. Number one, it allows us to kind of ask those questions um, organized. Uh, number two, and more importantly, it helps us to keep track of the questions that are being asked, so then we can follow up with Park Central to clarify anything that maybe we don't get to this evening. So um, if you could, uh, please hold any questions till the end, write them down on the, the note cards, we'll collect them, and then we'll kind of ask as many as we can, get through as many as we can for the evening. Um, I did make a few promises that we would be out of here at eight tonight, so that's the plan. Um, yeah, so with that, uh, I'll invite Park Central to come up and, and speak. <clears throat> Right here yeah, is fine. Right this, is, this is front of the room. Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, can you all hear me without the mic? Yes. yes. Good. We're good. 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 Uh, my name is Abdul. I'm doing uh, executive director of Park Central Development. I do bring part of my team. I do have one person that is listening today, but we will go through. So just very quickly, we're going to go through just a quick presentation about who Park Central, who we are, uh, and go through our mission and our vision. So, <laughs> Park Central Development, we're a 501c3 community development corporation that works to strengthen and attract investment uh, that creates and maintains equitable, vibrant urban neighborhoods and commercial districts where people want to live, work, and play. And we do it by uh, these four tenets right here, which is neighborhood planning, major infrastructure and services, major uh, infrastructure projects and improvement, administration of commercial and business and special tax issues, as well as working with the investment community to attract facilitate private investment into the community. So very quickly, our value statement is that we help provide and facilitate full-service neighborhoods. Uh, basically, do things that the city is unable and unwilling to do. If people, some people know, some people don't know, uh, we are a low-tax, low-service city, which means that some, a lot of the services that Park Central that we've done historically has been a result because the city just doesn't provide. Uh, the example we'll talk about uh, later, we'll go through Parking issues. Uh, that's municipal service. That's something that the treasurer's office should be providing. That was something that we never should have uh, done, but we got into it because it was a service that the community needed. Uh, needed. But our goal is to attract and create these unique neighborhoods and uh, taxing districts and commercial districts that gives a competitive advantage to attract top talent. So if you're living in a neighborhood or you're a business in, in the space, you want top talent, as they say. That's the best neighbors, that's the best uh, workers uh, to give you a competitive advantage. What makes people want to live in Forest Park Southeast, Botanical Heights, or, uh, or our court in Central West End? It's because of the amenities that they have, you walking, it's full service. So those are the things that we do, which in most cities, the city does those. So the planning department, they do these functions that we never developed. So we'll go to the next slide. I uh, wanted to just also start with our board of directors. So we actually have, <coughs> excuse me, a 14, uh, excuse me, 15 person board of directors that are made up of residents, business owners, and partner area institutions. And we've done this to have a balance between residents, businesses, and institutions so that everyone are, is able to come to the table and talk on their issues. That's the purpose of why, actually, why Park Central really was created. So we have seven uh, residents that sit on our board from these neighborhoods in that Central West End, Forest Park Southeast, 
uh, Academy Sherman Park, Botanical Heights, and Fountain Park. We have five institutions because of where we sit. If you look at this as a map, we have St. Louis University, which uh, St. Louis University, then you have SSM Health and SLU Hospital, Botanical Gardens to the South, Washington Medical Center, as well as Cortex. So that's uh, institutions, the main ones that are in our area that sit on our board as well. Uh, we also have three business and commercial representatives, and that's from the special tax issues that we also represent. So between that, that uh, mix of people, we try to hit every uh, particular interest of stakeholders in the area. So we can go to the next slide real quick. Uh, real quickly, I want to have my staff introduce themselves. Um, again, my name is Abdul Kamal Abdul, Executive Director of Park Central Development, and this is our team, and uh, they'll present some different information throughout. Uh, they won't stand the whole time, they'll sit down uh, at some point, but I uh, want to just give them opportunity to introduce themselves. Good evening, I'm Ashley Johnson, the Director of Special Tax Division. And I'm Kyle Oberly, I'm a Project Manager in the Special Taxing Division. I, I work a little bit more extensively with the Grove Sid in the Central West and Southeast Special Business District. And I'm Linda Nguyen, I'm the Coordinator of Neighborhood Initiatives and Engagement. Mine's a very long title. It didn't make the <laughs> whole presentation. So we also have a penalty. She's not here, uh, but she's our community development administrator. So she is the administrator between all the different facets of everything that we do. So, uh, and then also we do have a couple of interns that are here and uh, that are here. We do have Julie Walker in the back, and then we do have Elena Gray that's over here who uh, will assist us in different planning efforts throughout the park system. So one thing people don't know is we actually operate in 10 neighborhoods. Uh, our core area is, of course, the 17th Ward, which is where Park Central started. Initially, the way that it worked, probably about six and a half, seven years ago, it stopped. Park Central, we used to receive about $350,000 in block grant money that was given to us. Um, about seven years ago, the city completely cut the funding. Um, so a lot of those services that we would do in the neighborhood and we were a 17 board based organization. We were very closely uh, with all, and that, that's what the reality of it. But what it's happened is when once that money got cut, it began to be a different dynamic. If your volume of money is, 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 is cut, how do you still continue to provide operations and how do you continue to do things? So over the past seven years, this is kind of um, met, uh, metamorphosis, it's been a metamorphosis into a different entity where we are uh, actually instead of just being a 17 board based organization, we actually are have moved towards being a full service CDC. Uh, and that's, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, but uh, we do have one neighborhood that isn't on here, but our core neighborhood, of course, is the Central West End. Uh, we used to just be south of Lincoln because that's where the, the uh, 17 board stopped. We're now to the north of the entire Central West End, so we operate in the Central West End. The CDC, uh, Midtown to a point, the Tiffany neighborhood, the Temple Heights, Forest Park Southeast, King's Oak, Sheckenham, the Bottom Place, and now we cross the Gilmar Divide. Because one of the things that was important to me as an executive director is that we have been blessed very, you know, very much with the resources, the institutions, but at some point we have to begin to push this when you talk about equity and building equitable neighborhoods across this Gilmar Divide. So, so uh, since I've been here in the past year and a half, uh, two years now, but over the past year and a half, we began to push this. So now we're operating in Fountain Park as well as Academy Sherman Park. 
Uh, so that is something that we're doing. A lot of people don't know we operate into neighborhoods, but we do. But our core neighborhoods that you see uh, that, are, that are very bright, vibrant are Lynn's Forest Park, Southeast, Botanical Heights, that Central West End, and Midtown. So brothers go through these different components. Uh, I ask that you hold your questions to the end of each section. So when we get to each section, we're going to go through it. If you have questions, we'll stop at the end of each section. So hold your question, write it down. So these are the areas that we're going to talk about of what we do in the Forest Park Southeast neighborhood. We're going to talk about human services, our community impact fund, uh, events, uh, city of this event that you want to do to cover based on questions and feedback from the board. And our community impact fund, which is our home repair fund uh, that people uh, call our home repair fund, but it's a little bigger than just home repair. Our parking park issues, which has been an ongoing topic. Infrastructure committee, which has been an ongoing topic, and that's the much. Development committee, which has been a very big topic. So we'll get into that. We'll talk about the special events we do, as well as the growth community improvement district. Uh, I really did hit on uh, one thing I did leave out was some of the neighborhood planning that we actually do. Uh, one thing that we do as part of infrastructure in the neighborhood that I'll get to is we do an assessment. So I have a database of every sidewalk, every tree, every light, every mural, everything that goes on uh, that needs to be repaired in the neighborhood because what happens is you, know, you have to know what needs to be fixed. So when these infrastructure communities get together, you know, sometimes you have you know, sidewalks that need to be fixed in one portion of the neighborhood, that particular portion of the neighborhood can get the line share. When you have the negative information that says, hey, this is what needs to be fixed, this is when it's been fixed, then you're able to make some equitable decisions that could be a little more, bit more fair. So we'll just kind of jump into it. So we'll start with human services and then we'll have a limited come up, come up as well. A lot of people don't know, we actually have started in the past year when I got here. What I noticed is one of the deficiencies we had as an organization was really focusing on planning. We were focusing in on development, and that was great. But one of the things we weren't focusing in on was the human services aspect. So I created a program uh, with uh, myself and Linda called the Human, uh, I'm sorry, Community Resource Council. So in 2019, we, uh, although it goes throughout our entire footprint, we provided one-on-one -on -one counseling to 14 uh, individuals and families experiencing difficult uh, situations and we needed help. We needed to uh, connect themselves to resources. Uh, so we've done that uh, as of, this was as of August, so the numbers are probably going up a little bit more, but this was as of August. We also provide financial assistance, so this is one thing we had provided in the past, but we started uh, uh, offering emergency and utility assistance uh, because we know that that's a need. And we got people that really need this, really need this. So as of, uh, August, we provided over $600, well, over $600 in emergency uh, utility assistance, which has been a big help. Uh, you know, that's, a, that's something, you know, I think everyone that's been in a situation where they need a little help, so this is something we've also done. Uh, we also have started a neighborhood job fair, and we had our second annual on March 28th this year. And uh, I'm going to let you talk a little bit more about it, but with the job fair, we focused in on the neighborhoods Forest Park Southeast, Botanical Heights, and the Tiffany neighborhood. And we looked at employers in pretty much a one-mile area where, we, uh, where people could go to work. And uh, we had 14 employers from within this area within a mile and a half radius. And uh, we also had job seekers who we were able to give one-on-one coaching to, assistance as well, uh, with preparing the resume. But for all the time, uh, 
but we've been able to capture uh, through our systems and the follow-up as we've actually worked with 13 residents within Fort Fork Southeast uh, to attend that job fair. And as of right now, we know at least have got at least two have gotten jobs. Uh, it's probably a few more because no one has, has, uh, can't, has come back and got, well, we can't find So most of the time we're working, I, a lot of people don't know how to get a job, uh, developing a job placement for 10 years for better for their lives. So uh, when you're talking to some things, this was something that we uh, wanted to make sure that we had uh, when you talk about jobs for people. Uh, so we'll go to the next, the next slide a little bit. Uh, we'll talk a little bit further. Uh, and then we have some other things we do in human services, and I'll let Linda kind of talk about them and do a recap on a few other things. So. Sure. Um, so I sit on the chair of the Coalition of Housing Justice and Neighborhood Initiative, uh, Neighborhood Diversity. It's actually a coalition that the City Garden Montessori School started about four years ago, trying to address some of the diversity issue issues around housing displacement. Um, so. Through that coalition, we've been able to get a lot of providers around the table. There's at least 10 to 15 providers around the table bringing resources, sharing those resources. Um, one of the events that we do do um, that's really popular, we've done it for the second year is a housing resource fair, looking at not only folks who want to stay in their home with utility assistance and home repairs, but also folks who want to build their credit so they could buy their own home. So we're really trying to get people from like staying in their home, getting new home, as well as um, getting them ready to buy new um new home ownership. So that's something that we've done in the spring. This is our second year doing it and we'll do it again next year and it's part of the Housing Coalition initiative to do so. Um, and then actually at the end of this month, next Saturday, we're actually organizing a financial wellness seminar, doing more small 45 minute workshops around financial topics. And that's going to be crediting, budgeting, as well as uh, retirement planning for the future. So really, again, again we want to emphasize like collaboration and advocacy so that the folks that live in our neighborhood have access to those resources and continue sharing it so they can stay in their neighborhood. Um, and then with City Greens Market, so I've been part of the City Greens board for about two and a half years now. We actually got brought on three years ago when City Greens Market became their own nonprofit. So if you guys don't know the history of City Greens Market, they've been around for almost 10 years. They started in the basement of Midtown Community, or at that time, Midtown Catholic Charities um, on Boyle. Um, so they started 10 years ago as a way to make sure that no matter where you're coming from or how much you have, you have access to affordable, fresh food. Um, so now they actually have a brick and mortar store on Manchester at Tower Grove. If you guys haven't been, you should. I'll be members. Um, so right now, um, I'm actually, they actually uh, w went from being their own nonprofit to hiring their own staff. There is a huge staff uh, transition because their previous two co-directors um, actually left earlier this year. So as a board, we have actually taken over the role of an executive director. So um, I myself, I have a nonprofit management background. So for me, a lot of it is around grant, grant writing and fundraising and ensuring that the board is actually an active board and that we're actually providing not only the um, staff evaluation, but also staff hiring on this, the right staff. Uh, and then want to talk about affordable housing. So one of the things we, we also did uh, in the past two months, we worked with RISE uh, to do a re-syndication and, and also secure funding for renovation of those parking apartments. Because one of the things that uh, we need to do is to get more money to fix those units up and to keep those uh, housing, that housing affordable. Uh, one of the things we were able to do was to help preserve 73 units. So we worked with them affordable because at a certain time, affordable housing, you can make it market rate housing. You, you don't have to keep it under the affordable uh, rate because 
So can I actually add to that? Um, because unfortunately, we, do, we ourselves, you know, we're a nonprofit, so we have a very limited pot of money. 
but there's actually a lot of programs out there that provides utility assistance and I myself because <laughs> this is pretty much my program when I meet with folks I make sure that they're applying for not only the LIHEAP utility assistant but also I have other partners that I'm referring for emergency utility assistant as well so there are some huge bills out there I mean I've seen thousands of dollars and really the, the word emergency literally means that it has to be a disconnection or a you know an overdue bill of over 30 days right so there's utility companies that will you know provide support but there's also a couple other agencies that I refer to um, based on like their income and majority of the folks of folks I work with are low income we're talking about a household of four making less than 24,000 and I'll show So we're going to talk about our community impact fund. Uh, can I ask you one question? Yes, sir. I've lived within four square miles of this going on now. For example, what block is that? I don't know. So I'm still putting it in the game. It's our community impact fund. So a lot of times we work with 10 neighborhoods, so the program goes over 10 neighborhoods. That's the Tiffany neighborhood. That's the Tiffany. Mm. Oh my God. Yep, and the part, the picture at the okay. at the bottom is actually Tiffany Night Out from two years ago. And it's painted that way. Right? Yeah, I think the homeowner chose to paint it that way. Yes. We <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't take a picture and then. No, no. <laughs> That's how their house okay. is painted. This one of those looks like the yeah. North West United States, like. Uh, Spokane, Washington. <laughs> no. I don't remember looking like that. No, it's Almost a Tiffany also. neighborhood. It's still with them. You, you got your fifth grader, then <laughs> block let me know now. Because I can't walk through there and see. <laughs> Tiffany is blocked off. Now, I, I, you know, don't forgive me. Forgive me. <laughs> Tiffany, you don't have quick access to Tiffany. You have prescribed ways of getting to your parking in this moment. So if it don't look like that, you put it there that it looks like that. No, that's that's a picture okay. taken. It was actually our winter time. It was like three years ago. Maybe the house has changed color, but it's definitely a real picture. <laughs> it's not a stock picture. <laughs> so, uh, real quick, we want to talk about the community impact fund. Uh, so. When we built the fund, it really was a way to really do two things. It was to heavily help stabilize the neighborhood, and it was also meant to uh, be an anti-gentrification tool uh, long-term. Because one, as we all know, uh, home repair is, a, is, a, is an issue, and it's something that we know is an issue. Uh, one of the things when you talk about home repair uh, is that it's something that's needed. So in this neighborhood now, as you see, there's a lot of neighborhoods. Uh, so for me, myself, I live in the neighborhood. I chose to live in the neighborhood because that's where I grew up in, in, in Walnut Park and in Ohio. So I chose to live in the neighborhood. I bought my home over there. And one of the things that's one of the biggest things is home repair access for people. So although we have affordable housing problem, we do have a home repair problem. So one of the things, which is the bigger piece of the affordable housing piece, it's giving people access to this. So one of the things that these areas go in, when we go into areas and areas revitalize, they're going to gentrify. Uh, people, you know, gentrify can be a, a bad word to me. It's gentrification with displacement, which is a bad word. When people have access to participate 
in the process. So for us, that's why we really created the program for us to not only help with that, but also to help when there are big events that need to be done. So just say the next time we go through a few things. So <clears throat> with our uh, this is our fund overview and our priorities. So with the with the fund, what we're looking for uh, to really impact is uh, home repair funding for residents, ADA accommodations, utility assistance, infrastructure, <coughs> improvements, beautification, and economic development is what we're looking for. So I just want to talk about uh, infrastructure. So you go into Sunday, we're going to be working in. They don't have any lights, street lights. Like literally, they burn down. So being able to give you know, five to $10,000 to do that is something that we uh, want to do. But <coughs> the, whole, the focus in on this is home repair. Uh, so what uh, the fund will do, uh, and it's something we raised money for last year. Uh, and when we raised money for last year, we were able to allocate uh, some dollars. But most of the money we got, the people donated to it, and they earmarked the money. So they earmarked and said, hey, I want to go to this neighborhood. I want to go to that neighborhood. I want to go to this. So for me, it was a pretty fund where we could get access and go out and raise dollars <coughs> for it. So, uh, so we'll go to the next slide real quick so we can show the priorities work. We, we got in our game of $36,000 that was pledged. We only collected about $21,000 of that of people who have made good on that. And in that, uh, they gave $10,000 to be used in Thunder Park and Lewis Place. The other $10,000 was in the County Insurance Park neighborhood. So they got $10,000. So people always say, well, hey, you guys owe $26,000. That's what was pledged, what we collected. Was 21,000 from the people. So we still haven't collected all of the money that's pledged yet. Um, that was pledged yet. So with that, we get there our first 2,000 to uh, Fountain Park and Lewis Place, and they uh, just had their first rebuilding day, and we got one of the first homes. And then we get 10,000, uh, the other 10,000 that was pledged for Sherman Academy, so they said they wanted to put the money in. Right now, we don't have any uh, funding for Forest Park Southeast. And so one of the things that we have to do is we're going to have to go out and actually raise that money, you know, to be able to have dollars for Forest Park Southeast. So it's a private fund. We really went out and just raised the money. We don't have any money from the city that was given to us. This was us going out tapping our networks for people to do that. Um, so people did uh, give some money, you know, but it was, at this point it wasn't for Forest Park Southeast. So that's why it's not on the priority list for for this year. So even with Tiffany, uh, we haven't gotten dollars. So we are working right now to try to find some additional dollars for this particular neighborhood. So the money that we have, the program is working. Uh, but quite frankly, I'm just going to be honest with you. People said, I don't want to give money to this neighborhood. They already got enough over there. That's really what they said. Make sure they know who they are. Well, that's what they ain't got it. Well, obviously, we have a mixed income neighborhood. That's not my. I'm not a positive owner, so I don't have, you know, that's not my money. I'm just telling you, that's where the money is. So for us, we will be looking to raise additional dollars from the uh, programs, uh, program. So even with the Neighborhood Association, I know it's been like, hey, how can we work? How can we work together? We're happy to work with you to uh, raise money for the neighborhood. That's, that's no problem. With that, yes, sir. Yeah, um, on the allocation of this money from the Florida government, is that money to individual homeowners? So, so right now, the first thing I was just for uh, rebuilding together, that was for actual program for individual homes. This ten thousand right here 
So we just had a rebuilding day um, this past Saturday, actually, where the first homeowner in Fountain Park actually got her house home repair. Uh, is a disabled. She's been in the in the house for over thirty years, and so her and her granddaughter is actually gonna uh, received over five thousand, actually more toward like eight thousand. Because what rebuilding together for folks who are not familiar, they're a nonprofit that provides minor home repairs for low income families, not only in the city but for the county as well. And so what they do is they organize these rebuild day where they get a team of volunteers and skilled contractors to come out and they provide um, home repairs that are done in one day. Um, so for an eight day, eight hour period that day, they were able to put in new flooring, they worked on her plumbing, there was new paint. Um, so there was a, they were able to do over $8,000 worth of th things. And some of those are actually the cost of the, the labor. So Rebuild Together really comes together and organize that whole day, getting all the volunteers, getting all the, the supplies together. And they'll have another little fall. So <clears throat> in the spring. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is fall. <laughs> Whatever the area of the income, I went to 120 because 
you can make $80,000 a year, have three kids, and still need money for home repair. So we wanted to really increase that to allow people to really participate. Because sometimes you have people that need a lot of home, they need home repair, but what about people that work every day who, who don't qualify for a program? That's a big piece of, uh, that we need to, I want to make sure we focus on. And then uh, what we want to do at that point is, uh, that's going to be who qualifies, so also under the focus in the area of AMI. So uh, then we're also part of this board approval of funding dollars for any restricted amount raised. So any dollars that's not raised, our board will still have to approve them. We'll, we'll often have to approve that uh, for how much funding we're going to allocate for that. And then uh, we'll have a committee that we talked about that that committee will approve the projects and the costs for that. And we wanted to have a group of five from throughout the footprint that's balanced so that not one neighborhood can, can cannibalize that if it's unrestricted dollars. And then even sometimes even in the neighborhood, if it's $10,000 allocated for this neighborhood having someone who's objective, who's objective, who's not a part of who can look at it and may not have emotional connection to a particular project. So, uh, so that's really it at that point. Uh, when we want to go to the next slide. Just hold it to the end, hold it to the end, and we'll, we'll answer that. And we'll come back to it. I just want to get through everything. Okay, we'll end with this. Okay, well, first of all, I want to say that I'm very surprised at the change of position. You just recently adopted this position to strengthen homeowners that have been here for 15, 20 years. You complained for many years, for many years, but it looked unethical because it was unethical and they changed the stance. We only heard about your fundraising at the gala. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that the, the thing that should really be criticized is that the lack of community engagement or community participation. Like you're setting up your board with these five different people and all that. We are concerned at a neighborhood meeting about our neighborhood and our neighbors. And it is emotional and it is very personal, okay? People that get here uh, that are new, they get 10 years tax abatement and they get a brand new house. It's totally rehab. We've been here 15 years and we have lived through horrific crime statistics and we get nothing but higher taxes. And you say, oh, it's good because your value is higher. Which really means you have to sell your house to realize it. But I want to also say this is it's very, very important that we understand this. There is a, a direct conflict of interest by Park Central being a developer's organization, which it says in your mission statement, we want to empower and help developers. If you take a real estate investment 101 class, they're going to tell you to look for dilapidated housing that is in disrepair. So it is it's very good to have dilapidated houses in disrepair, usually for minorities that, that developers can buy, acquire for a low cost, so they can get tax abatement when they rehab. If you really want to fight gentrification, you have to involve the people that live here. We've got to be in on your community involvement. Thank you. When we try to reach out to your groups, when you put your committees together, we've asked you about the grant, the $30,000 grant. You said you wouldn't even let us look at it. Part of community building is saying, listen, this is my neighbor. They have a problem. Where are the funds? They say this equitable. You probably said equitable 10 times. Am I saying it right? Equitable? You probably said it 10 times. Okay. Involvement. You're, the involvement. You're saying that over and over. These are buzzwords. It sounds good. 
when policy doesn't match up with your rhetoric, that's all it is is rhetoric. And what happens, what happens is that people that own houses are losing their houses to the developers, and then we all wrap it up as successful redevelopment. And it's BS, because, because if you're giving $30,000, we're gonna go buy a new house, especially in such a nice neighborhood with private security circling all around. So I, I want you to please, at a community meeting where we're supposed to community engage and talk to your organization, take some of these things in a little bit. I'm not, I'm not attacking you. When, when you get $30,000 on our behalf, at least let us see the grant. When you get money that you're handing out for us, at least help us, let us help you hand it out. And those are things you're not getting from your community engagement. Thank you for your time. So what I have passed in front of you is a map of the parking district in Forest Park Southeast. So I'll give you a little bit of background to parking district. So Park Central has been doing parking, parking administration for about eight years now. Um, it is a community driven process in which the, uh, the resident on the block has to have a petition that goes through and a super majority of that block need to agree uh, that they will become part of a parking district basically. So when it becomes a parking, private parking district, basically you have to prove that you are living on the street, living on that block in order to get a parking permit. So what I have in front of you is actually all the blocks um, on the north side, basic north side of Manchester, that's where all the parking districts are. Majority of them are on Shoto, Gibson, and then along Taylor. So I do want to emphasize because today actually is the first day 4,400 block of Gibson just recently joined the uh, parking district. They went through their petition process earlier this year in spring. Um, an ordinance has to pass once the petition is completed by the neighborhood. Um, and that finally got approved by the city. Um, and so now, as of today, enforcement will start on the 4,400 block of Gibson. So it's back in... Uh -huh. They also now overflow that parking now. Yes. <laughs> I completely understand. And I don't know. I mean, and I yes. down Gibson, and it's empty during the day. Yes. Okay, because of the parking district. The other end of Taylor Avenue by Urban Chestnut Avenue, that's open during the day now because of the parking district. Mm -hmm. It seems rather unfair if you're pushing people. I mean, it's black and blue, pushing us down there. My street where I can't leave and come home in the daytime sure. because I've got students and mm -hmm. other vehicles parked in front of my house. And that was initially the reason why 4400 Block of Gibson actually signed a petition. Um, so a resident on that block actually went out and collected over 70 signatures from her neighbors on that block. Um, Shoto actually became part of the district last year. And so the people who were parking on Shoto, they moved down to Gibson. And so this entire last year when the Shoto, you know, this, so the red one is the, the Shoto district right here. So they moved from Shoto down to Gibson. And, and so I'll now, unfortunately, they I just know. keep moving it. And I'm not gonna, I, I mean, again, I, say, I start with, this is a resident-driven process because what we do at our office is provide the forms, but we're not gonna go out and like start any district that you know, the neighborhood doesn't want, right? So 70% of the block says, hey, this is what I want, I'm willing to pay for it. It's a $12.50 per year fee. And so what they do is um, they'll come to our office and fill out. Enforcement is always through the city. We don't do any enforcement. So we just emphasize to the residents like, hey, don't forget to get your parking permit. If you live on that block, we'll help you through that process. It's an online process. We also have walk-in hours on Monday and Wednesday from nine to five. 
Um, if, if people don't have access to computers, we actually have a computer there. They can actually come in five days a week to do that in person. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to get rid of all the parking districts? Sure. Yeah, you have to get your you neighbors. Do, do the petition. If you do it, go back through the petition process and. We weren't involved with the petition process yet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we live on other blocks. Yeah. And so the reason why. Just so you know, the reason why there's a parking district now is that every street that you see there's parking issue, uh, parking restricted parking, that's because people from outside the neighborhood are parking in the district, right? So the same exact issue that you're having, Tom, that's on your block was on Shoto and Gibson and Taylor, right? People from Urban Chestnut who go to the brewery, mm -hmm. they're parking on Wichita, and that's why Wichita is part of the district. And so, I, I mean, I administer this district. I, it's over 800 applications that I receive on an annual basis. There are hundreds of families who are excited that this is in place because we have people coming home during the middle of the day who have groceries and they can't load in front of their house. They have to park two blocks away or a block away and like carry their groceries. And for them, it's a blessing. Or when they have children, they can't like park in front of their house. They have to walk two blocks. So there are people, and I'm not gonna say that the issue's gonna go away. It's, probably gonna get worse, but it's one of the reasons why more and more blocks are becoming part of the district. So it's very unlikely that you can reverse it, but you, so if you do wanna reverse it, just so you know, you just need to get 67% of your neighbors to remove the district. So you have that, that power too. So I can give you the petition, change the wording. I wanna remove the, you know, restricted parking on this block. And you, as long as you get 67% uh, of the signature, you know, you can remove that district. Is that residents or property owners? Uh, just residents. So if you're a renter in that building, you can sign that. ago obviously I've only been at Park Central for three years um, but right now like if you look at Hello Jews there are like two-hour parkings around that because we do try to like especially around businesses to accommodate that the new 4400 block of Gibson the new district that came online is only during business hour we're talking between 8 and 5 where there's an issue other times people can come and park on that street that's not an issue so the residents kind of uh, work on it but we also work with the city to ensure that you know, it's not um, hindering on the, the performance of the business because Hello Smoothie needs need the, the, the parking space for their customer too. So if you notice like on Newstead around there, because like technically the district includes Newstead, it actually is just two hours so that it limits people from like parking there all day. It's the folks who park there all day from the school that really hinders like the, the resident itself. So that's what we're trying to prevent is people parking there all day. Oh, I like it.
So we do different. Every so every block is its own district, correct? Mm -hmm. So they have their own district. So that's I don't think we're going to solve it this evening. So what I think we can do, since it's a wider neighborhood issue and not a block-by-block block issue, I think we can kind of discuss amongst ourselves kind of some options to, to address the issue and to kind of work. I know because Park Center just administers it, right? They don't create it. So we can work with maybe Alderman Brody or some of our other representatives and maybe Park Central to see how as a neighborhood we can address the issue. It, like over the next coming months, because I, I just don't think we're going to solve it tonight. Yeah, and I do think, though, you are going to have to look at it block by block, because at this point, when it's established, it was block by block, so now you're going to have to convince, you know, so it's just some work that has to be done by the residents. Right, and maybe it's a, again, a, a neighborhood-wide way that we tackle it, but I just, yeah, I just, because I, I agree, I mean, you know, I think they're valid points, I just don't know we're going to solve it, so I think that's something, Zen's already done some good work on it, and, and you know, can, last month, I believe, informed us, so we'll kind of continue that discussion, because it is a discussion that needs to be had. And, and again, this is something that's uh, actually municipal services in most cities. This is something Treasurer's office should do. Uh, this is not, this is a service we kind of picked up. Uh, this is a municipal service that, uh, yeah, that we administer just those. They, they will enforce, but they will not administer. I'm sorry, the uh, partner. Do we have anything else on parking? Uh, a little bit, just a okay. few So, let's go to the next slide. So, I do want to talk a little bit about it. Uh, we talked about a little bit, but I do want to talk about some of the future uh, the future plans. Uh, so, currently, we are working with the Treasury's office to actually integrate this completely through their mobile app. So, we've been, I've been pushing this for two years to make this uh, be something that's a part of what it is that they're doing to get this back to what they're doing. Also, for us, this is something that's really not easy. We actually lose money. We actually probably spend about $16,000 a year just before Sport Southeast. So one of the things for us long term, by 2021, uh, we plan on either not administering this at all, but, but if we do, at this point, we will have to increase the cost in order to administer. So for us, we'll spend a, a tremendous amount of time now working with the department. We work with the charges office to get this back into what they're doing. So now it's much simpler. You can go to the app, you can unload it. But for us, strategically, this is something moving forward. It's a cost that, you know, because again, you know, we just, it's just something that's not sustainable. So uh, by 2021, which is not this year, but then, uh, which is a year from now, we'll go through more and more. But we're at this point, we are going to evaluate <coughs> the options that we do have in order to do it. And those are the options is to completely cut it off uh, or increase the price in order to do that. Next. So, uh, a couple more things. Oh, I was just, um, I'm going to propose this, and I hope it's, you know, I hope it's okay. Mm -hmm. But because we're at about 8 o'clock, 
Um, I don't know if you could come back to present the last two or last three sections, or maybe as like an ongoing basis, maybe a section. Um, yeah. If not, then and I leave this up to the, the membership as well. If you would like to kind of do that, maybe that's an option if Park Central is amenable, or if we want to just you know get through this because you all are interested in Park Central, I'm open to that as well. But I just want to be sensitive of everybody's time um, and, and your time as well. So and the effort you put in. Yeah, yeah the effort. This is this is amazing. So we don't. We don't. So that's that's why I want to leave it up to the membership to kind of you know feel free. I think we'll wrap this up. What's that? If they can be wrapped up in five Central is okay with let me say this because you know it's been criticized before. Park Central has has more into more of a private organization, but they were initially established with, with public money for a community organization. Because you care so much about us, we want you to regularly attend our meetings. So, yeah, so that's so a, that's, that's part of this ask. That's what we should yeah, establish. We've always been a private organization. We've always been a community development corporation. We said you had to you had to transition because of on the okay. road. We're, under, yeah. My point is that you should be here coming coming here regularly because you're you're facing. And appreciate the dual offering to come back and, and kind of go through the other parts of this. Um, and again, thank you. I, I hate to kind of interrupt, but I just want to make sure we do have time and attention to dive into these things because they are important. Um, so I think we'll. You're good with that. We'll wrap it up um, there. Again, on a development piece, it will be very, I think, uh, insightful to come to the, 10, the October 29th meeting in Adams starting at 5.30 until 8. Um, if you have any questions, I have a couple on note cards. If you, if you want to turn them in, we'll get them typed up and ask the, the Park Central. Yes? For the 29th meeting, is there going to be a, a deep dive on what the CID is? 
Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it, well, it's up to the, the developers. We'll ask um, Green Street if they can kind of dive a little deeper into what the CID might look like. Yeah, we can definitely ask that as well. We'll have to get back to you on that. I'll, I'll shoot you an email again okay. to let you know. Okay. Okay, with that, thank you everyone for coming. 1029, uh, Halloween Carnival 1026, November elections next month. <laughs>